At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare getting ready to take on spring make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools from hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. This is the New York City Cast with Will Hill, presented by Bet Rivers. Welcome. The New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook, a Tuesday show for you. Jason Weingarten of the Wide World of Weingarten podcast will join us. We will talk all things baseball, pennant races, awards, futures. Uh, looking forward to talking to Jason. And baseball is where we start as the Mets beat the Braves 4-1 to in what was just a vintage, brilliant performance by Max Scherzer. And look, that's why you bring him here. And last night he proved why he is worth every damn penny because that was the biggest game of the season for the Mets. The race had started to shift where it seems like every three or four days the Braves pick up a game. The Braves have been playing 850 baseball. Mets have been holding their own too. It's not like the Mets have played poorly. But the Braves were gaining and gaining and gaining. And look, it's only one night, but it's a big one. Uh, biggest game of the season so far, like I said. And boy, the, the, the term playoff atmosphere gets, I think, overused, tossed around. That was a playoff atmosphere. From the first pitch, this game just felt different, some intensity. So uh, Mets and Braves in action again today. Strider against Peterson. That's part of why last night was so big is because this is a very advantageous matchup for Atlanta. Strider, the brilliant rookie for Atlanta, uh, is a plus 200 short shot here at Bet Rivers to win the National League Rookie of the Year. He's been incredible. Peterson's been okay. He's been up and down. But this is a mat matchup that certainly favors Atlanta. Uh, I, I will take Atlanta here, minus the 160 at Bet Rivers. The total is eight. Uh, I like Strider here. He's been striking out a million people. He throws the ball 100 miles an hour. He has just been dominant. So that's why last night was so important because the only thing, not the only thing, but well, I guess you could say the only thing that would have been a disaster for the Mets is you come in here, you get swept, 
and then you're a half game out of first place. You look up, and, and the Braves are in first place, and they go to Washington for four to close out uh, the first half before the All-Star break. So that's avoided now. The Mets, if nothing else, are going to walk out of Atlanta still in first place. Uh, if, you, if you lose two out of three, all right, you don't want that, especially after winning the first one. But losing two out of three with all the games you have ahead of you, getting DeGrom back, we see now Scherzer's back. Uh, they'll get some reinforcements on offense with Marte and McNeiler out. McCann is out. Sounds like Alvarez, the catcher, might get called up at some point, which would be exciting. Uh, the Mets avoided disaster here. So uh, a huge win, just a, an epic, just you can't say enough about how good Scherzer was. He gives up the homer to Riley in the seventh. That was it. I mean, he was just dominant for a while. Cano, of all people, who got picked up by Atlanta, I think Sunday or, yeah, it was Sunday night late. Cano got picked up by Atlanta. Monday, he's in the lineup. He got a little ground ball through the right side. For a while, that was the only hit for Atlanta. He was just incredible. Lights out, command, control, you know, throwing the ball 97-98, great slider. Uh, it's funny, less than two weeks ago, I was in Hartford to watch him pitch a rehab start against the Yard Goats, and he actually got hit. Now, you never know, in pitchers, he's working on things. It's just get the feel back. Maybe he's throwing a bunch of change-ups. Maybe he's just working on, you know, location, whatever he's doing. But he actually got hit. He gave up, I forget, three or four runs. He gave up six or seven hits. They actually, they made some solid contact against him. Uh, and thought, man, hopefully he's he's 100%. We'll see what happens when he gets back. Uh, he's been dominant. Seven innings, 11 Ks, no run, no walks against the Reds. No runs, no walks. Um, just a couple of hits. And then tonight, just a, uh, an absolutely tremendous performance by Scherzer as the Mets win. The game stays under. Diaz continues to dominate. Uh, Adovino got a big out. You know, you got nervous there. Once it got to 2-1, Ozuna got on with the double. Scherzer strikes out. Uh, the last batter of the seventh to get you out of it. And then Adovino comes in. A big, big run in the eighth was Guillerme giving you the insurance run right back after Riley had homered to make it 2-1. Guillerme answers back with the homer to make it 3-1. They add another run in the ninth to make it 4-1. And then you felt like you were in pretty good shape here if you're the Mets. So uh, it doesn't get any easier. I mean, Strider tonight, it will be tough. I think the Braves win, but uh, the Mets at least come in here and avoid disaster, kind of stem the tide as the Braves have just been playing lights out baseball. The Mets have been good, not great. You know, split the four games with Miami. You know, they won most of the series before that. It's not like the Mets have been bad, but uh, a big win, a big-time performance from Scherzer as the Mets now. Look, you, you figure out a way to get a split, and you had a great series. So uh, after this, obviously, they go to Chicago for four with the Cubbies. Thursday night, Friday afternoon, and then two games. Saturday, Sunday, then we hit the All-Star break. So big win for the Mets. Minus 160 is Atlanta today. So Atlanta's the favorite, minus 160. Total is eight. I do like Atlanta here uh, in Strider. Boy, they're going to jack up this strikeout prop, seven and a half. He's definitely good for it, though, here at Bet River. So check out the strikeout props and see if, uh, boy, seven and a half is a lot. You're expecting it to get eight. Maybe you think he's due for a bad one, but boy, I think he struck out eight of the first nine guys he faced. Something crazy the other day. He had 12 strikeouts uh, in his last performance. I think it was on Thursday. He's just been incredible. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. Two more games in this series, Mets and Braves tonight, and then they play early Wednesday afternoon to finish off the series. So fun game, postseason atmosphere as the Mets win. Uh, Yankees in action against the Cincinnati Reds. Garrett Cole against Graham Ashcraft. We talked about Ashcraft last week because he pitched against the Mets. He's a young pitcher. Reds actually have a lot of good young pitchers. He's got a great arm. Doesn't get as many swings and misses as you think with his stuff, but uh, he's a good pitcher. 
I worry about him in this spot. Yankee Stadium, you know, the bright lights, that's an intimidating atmosphere. A bunch of home run hitters. Uh, Yankees are minus 340. The total is eight. I would lean towards the under eight. I would worry about Ashcraft in this spot, though. As much as I like him as a pitcher, that could be a tough atmosphere to go in, and you have to worry about the Reds' bullpen late in the game. Um, I will say this, though. You could look at it the other way. Yankees haven't seen this kid. Sometimes, you know, veteran hitters, they like familiarity. They like knowing how the ball comes out of his hand. They like knowing how a pitch in certain counts. Sometimes unfamiliarity, lack of familiarity, plays into the hand of the pitcher. So uh, I will go under eight here. Would expect the Yankees to win. I would expect Cole to have a big-time performance. No Rafael Devers playing for the Red Sox. So good spot for the Yankees after losing two in a row. I would expect a focused Yankees effort tomorrow. Uh, after a day off, bad game Saturday, a really bad game Sunday, bad defense, blown leads. I would expect the Yankees to bounce back and give you a nice performance here. So look, I'm not, I'm not dying to lay minus 345, but I would expect the Yankees to win, and they are certainly favored to do so. If you want to lay the run and a half, you can lay minus 130. Again, though, you're home. So if you're winning after eight innings, eight and a half innings, you don't get the ninth at bat. So you have to win by two runs, and you get one less at bat. It becomes dicey, but might be a decent way to go. Again, I think Ashcraft is a good pitcher. Uh, so maybe he struck, maybe, you know, the Yankees lineup struggles that first time through the lineup um, with a guy they haven't seen before will be an interesting matchup. Uh, Ashcraft, if you're looking at a strikeout prop over three and a half, he hasn't hit this in a few starts yet. Eight against the Giants a couple weeks ago. Since then, he had uh, just a couple against the Cubs and just a couple against the Mets. He stayed under. Uh, this could be a spot where he racks up four or five. I will actually go over the strikeouts here with Ashcraft as the Yankees look to get back on track so those are the local teams uh we'll do more baseball with jason coming up soon um the knicks the knicks have actually become a little bit of a story here as much as a summer league team can become a story so knicks have played well in summer league whether it's Grimes, some of these young guys it looks like the knicks actually have a decent collection of young players i, I wouldn't say stars but uh the knicks which I, I can't get into the summer league i watch a little bit of it the games are terrible there's no defense but I know Knicks fans are excited, so maybe we'll do a little spot on the Knicks here coming up in the next week or two as they've shown some flashes, at least giving you a little hope whether they keep those guys. Now, Tibbs doesn't like to play the young guys, so who knows if they'll even play these guys, but uh, some of these guys are interesting. They're exciting. So uh, Knicks, the Knicks have looked good. That, that's all you can ask for is a little bit of hope. Now, again, do you even play these guys? Do you eventually flip these guys for a Mitchell or somebody? That remains to be seen. I think any trade is hard to do considering what Gobert went for. I think that's just totally thrown the market off here where you know, we're seeing no traction on a Durant deal, nothing close. Everything's been quiet with that. We told you a week ago, hey, 40-1, to 50-1, the Nets to win the title is a crazy price. I am not sold at all that Durant's going to be traded. I would lean towards him staying as opposed to being traded, and I still feel that way. So uh, we'll keep an eye on that. But the Knicks have played well here in the summer league. Grimes has played well. Uh, for whatever it's worth, which is not much, but it's not nothing. So can't get too into the summer league, but it is nice to see the young guys playing well. And Knicks have actually done a pretty good job drafting, whether it's the guys like Grimes and Quickly, you know, guys on the margins. They've done a decent job drafting mid-teens, early 20s. They've done a pretty good job. Uh, what they haven't done, what this regime hasn't done, and what they sold themselves on is coming here and, hey, we're going to be a magnet for the stars. We're going to get this guy and that guy. They've got nobody. They've gotten Jalen Brunson, who's a nice player. He's a, an average point guard. He's fine. He's an upgrade, fills a need. But they have not been a magnet for the Stars. Now, some people could say, you know what? 
there's a connection with Kentucky, so they thought they'd come here and they'd bring in Towns or Booker. And at the time, Booker was on a bad Suns team. At the time, Town, Towns was on a bad Minnesota team. And those teams have improved and played well. So maybe that's why, you know what, it's just an unfortunate situation where if Booker was on a bad team, maybe he'd be on the Knicks and he'd want out. Same thing with Towns. So you could say it's unfortunate circumstances, but the bottom line is those guys that running the Knicks, Rose and company, uh, really haven't attracted a star. And they're just sitting kind of in no man's land here. So you hope a few of these younger guys pop quickly, Grimes, uh, etc. And you can either play them, swap them for something legitimate, or just continue to let this thing build. But the Knicks, uh, like I said, have played well here in Summer League, shown you some signs of promise. I'm not sure they're more than a playing team at best next year. The East is not as bad as it used to be. So keep an eye on the Knicks. We'll keep an eye on the Durant story. Nothing new with that. So uh, the NBA futures remain the same. You can still get the Nets here 28 to 1 to win the title at Bet Rivers. To me, that is a great price. An absolutely great price, especially if Durant stays, which I think he will. You know, this is really just a proxy for betting on Durant to stay. Because if Durant, and I would make him a big favorite to start the season with the Nets. And if he's going to start the season with the Nets, I have a hard time really seeing them trade him in the middle of the season. Because they're going to be good. You know, they're going to be, what, 14-4, 14-5 and say, you know what we're going to do? We're going to wake up one day and we're going to trade you. That's not going to happen. So, um, interesting to keep an eye on as the NBA futures have come up here at Bet Rivers, Rookie of the Year, Most Improved Player. There's a lot of betting options here as I pull up my Bet Rivers app. Uh, never too early to start thinking about next year with the the futures market in the NBA. Knicks obviously a major long shot to do anything significant. I'm not sure I'd recommend a bet with that as you pull up the championship odds. The Knicks. You got to do a whole lot of scrolling before you get to the New York Knicks, who are 150 to one to win the title. I think I counted the zeros properly there, but uh, the Nets remain 28 to one. To me, that's a good price. And like I said, awards are up. Futures MVP winner Luke is the favorite, followed by Embiid, both in the five to one range. Durant is 10 to one. And Rookie of the Year, Boncaro is the favorite, plus 350. Holmgren's 4-1. to one. Uh, Sixth Man of the Year, if you're interested in that, Poole is the favorite at 5-1. to one. Uh, As well as Hero, who's also 5-1. to one. Coach of the Year, Udoka is the favorite at 8-1. Boy, it'd be hard for Udoka to win Coach of the Year after he just came off the of finals. Usually the Coach of the Year is an overachieving team, team with no expectations. I would have a hard time expecting Udoka to win. I don't, I don't see that one. Um... Casey 10 to 1, Willie Green 10 to 1, Kid 10 to 1. So go to betrivers.com, download the Bet Rivers app, take a look at these. Most improved player, Edwards is the short shot, 14 to 1. Brunson's 14 to 1. Barrett 16 to 1. So these are fun to look at. You know, I'll keep an eye on them. I'll go through them at some point here. Look well at the All-Star break. We'll have a we still got some time between now and between football. So uh we'll spend some time looking for awards, both NBA, both NFL. So the awards are fun. You find good numbers, you can find some value. So We'll keep an eye on those. We'll have some guests on to discuss uh, NBA awards, NBA futures, NFL futures. So uh, keep an eye on all of that and keep an eye on the Durant story. Again, I don't think he's going to be traded. Do they trade Kyrie at some point? Not impossible. But if I'm the Nets, I just kind of run it back and you know bite my tongue for a year and see where we're at a year from now. Hopefully we win a championship. And then, hey, you know what? We can uh, if, we, if we can get a championship under our belt, everyone's going to feel differently. I don't even mind trading Durant after I win a championship. I'll do whatever. As long as I get a championship for Marks, uh, my career is different. I'm forever a champion. And maybe if you win one, Durant wants to stay. So uh, I don't know that we'll get a trade here with Durant. But keep an eye on all of that. But coming up next, 
Jason Weingarten, who wins the NL East? Who wins the American League MVP? Are there any 101 to bets in his pocket? There usually are. That is next. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook. Bet River Sportsbook is offering new customers a deposit match up to $250 when you sign up today. In addition to their welcome bonus, Bet Rivers has daily and ongoing promotions that can provide extra value. Download the Bet Rivers app or go to betrivers.com today to sign up. Must be 21 or older, available in New York only. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. All right, we are back. New York City cast, Bet River Sportsbook. He is back. He is the host of the Wide World of Weingarten podcast. Podcaster, MLB better, decent celebrity. It is Jason Weingarten. Jason, what's up, man? Thanks for coming on. How's it going? Nice nice morning here. How's, how's it? All is well. We have a pennant race here on the East Coast because uh, Mets with a big win last night, but that thing is certainly tightened up here in the NL East. Um, to me, this is a hard one to handicap. They still have a bunch of games head-to-head. How do you see this NL East, uh, NL East race playing out here? We know we're getting into uh, the All-Star break right now. Another way to look at, it, at, at the season at the halfway point, if this was a, a golf tournament, we would just be at you know, Friday afternoon at the cut. So still a long way to go. You know, like we we tend to think that halfway is a lot, but there is still a very, very, very lot of baseball left to be played this season. Do you have a lean one way or the other between the Mets or the Braves in terms of who wins this division? You know, um, I started to watch more Braves games recently with, with the addition of Michael Harris. And I, I became good. invested in their uh, the, the futures there, but uh, started to occur to me that maybe this Braves team is actually better than the 2021 Braves that won the World Series, which sort of weird to say, because you know when you sort of rank who's the best teams in the NL or who are the best teams in baseball, the Braves don't necessarily come to mind. But they lost Freddie Freeman, and you know conceivably this is a better team this year. And with this much baseball left to be played, Scherzer back, DeGrom, you know, on his way back. Um, <clears throat> it's a very competitive race, but which way I lean, I probably lean the Braves just because just I tend to watch more Braves games. But I was I was impressed with the, the Mets last night, you know, market favored the Braves and Scherzer came out and did what Scherzer does. That was a brilliant performance. I mean, it really was. Freed had guys on base all night. He was walking people. Scherzer was just no nonsense. Cano snuck a base hit through the right side. Uh, gave up a home run to Riley later in the game, but uh, he was dominant. And that's that's why. I mean, not to go all cliche, sports talk guy, but that's why you pay him all that money. That's why you bring him in here. That was a uh, a brilliant performance by Scherzer last night. Yeah, you know, um, <clears throat> I, I totally totally agree with all that. It was. Uh, uh, Nice nationally televised baseball game for Monday night. It's funny. I was in Hartford, Connecticut, watching him pitch less than two weeks ago, and he gave up seven or eight hits. He gave up three or four runs. Now, you never know. Maybe he was just working on stuff, but it's funny. He comes back to the big league, seven shutout innings against the Reds, dominant last night against the Braves, and uh, he hasn't really missed a beat here. Yeah. <clears throat> you know, they're going to – they're they're built, like I've said before, they're built for, for playoff, you know, uh, series baseball. So – once, once they get into that situation, it's going to be very tough to beat them in over five games or over seven games. 
Yeah, and like you said, it's there's a lot of baseball left to be played. I don't know if you looked at the schedule. They play a five-game series against each other in New York in August uh, with a doubleheader. I think it's August like 4th through 8th with a doubleheader in one of those day games. And then they play a four-game series in Atlanta later in the month. So nine games in August. And then they finish up the season. Uh, the last three games uh, are in Atlanta on that final. I think it's the 30th of September, October 1st, October 2nd. So teams are going to be seeing a lot of each other here this next uh, these next few months. Yeah, this is about the time of the year that I start looking at the schedule more. And, uh, you know, the way the, the schedule is set up, usually you're playing a, a very heavy division rotation at the end of the season. It's on purpose. So the games, you know, the, the races tend to get closer as we get to the end of the season. Yeah, and these games against the Nationals are gold because it was similar last year. Once the Nationals traded everybody, you, cir you circle those games against Washington because those are – Boy, it's baseball. Anything can happen. But when you get three or four against Washington, you know you're probably going to have a pretty good week. Yeah, when you're when you're sort of outlining your path to the playoffs, I think a lot of these teams look at those, you know, 12 games or 18 games or however many they get versus Nationals and say, well, we need to win, you know, X amount of these games versus Nationals, and then we could lose. You know, that that gives them a cushion to lose some some more important games throughout the season. But you have to win those games. Yeah, that's why I thought it was a big win for the Mets last night. They had Scherzer on the mound. now, And the pitching matchups aren't favorable the next two days because it's Strider versus Peterson, Edge Atlanta. Tomorrow it's Bassett versus Morton. Morton hasn't been great, but he's still pretty good. Advantage Atlanta. And then Atlanta gets Washington for four. Now the Mets have the Cubs for four, but uh, you were looking at a scenario if you lost last night, it's possible you get swept. Atlanta sweeps Washington, and you go into the All-Star break, you know, down a couple of games, which at what point it was a 10.5 game lead. If you went into the All-Star break... Uh, and I guess he still could in second place. Just psychologically, I, I wouldn't like that from a Mets perspective, but uh, I thought that was a big win for the Mets last night. Yeah, you know, uh, the, the interesting thing tonight was Strider on the mound again. He's coming off those two huge games. Um, the market has been all Braves money all morning. So I go from like 160 to 180. So it'll be interesting to see what uh, what actually happens tonight because I, I tend to be of the belief that rookie pitchers always tend to, you know, more often than not have some bad starts. And Strider, I think he's had one bad start, but he is, uh, you know, I don't want to say he's due for a bad start, but it would not surprise me to see him, you know, facing a, a tough veteran lineup, you know, give up some runs tonight. I think, you know, no, no guarantee he's going to have another 10-strikeout game just because he had two before this. Do you have any bets on that game tonight or any other games tonight? Yeah, but I bet the Braves, but that was like 20 cents ago. Um, that's That was one of my bets tonight. I'm trying to see what else I got. Um, let's see. What else did I bet? Hold on one second. Got to pull it up. Um, I bet. While you pull it up, I just should mention McNeil is out still. Uh, paternity list. Marte missed last night. Questionable for tonight. Obviously, McCann, the catcher's out. So the Mets are down some of these bats here. But uh, you might be right. It might be uh, – you, you might have missed the opportunity here to bet the Braves as the number keeps going up. I bet the Brewer uh, – not the Brewers, sorry. I, uh, I bet the Orioles again today. Um, kind of seems like I'm just going to keep betting them over and over and over till they, till they go on a losing streak. What are they – they're in Chicago to play the Cubs, right? Yeah, you get plus 105 with Adrian Sampson on the mound for the Cubs. I'm always going to take that. Uh, got a 
under nine. I think I bet that too. I have to look. Um, I don't have my all my sheets in front of me. Then I bet the Angels <clears throat> getting uh, plus one five at home versus the Astros. Big, big series for the Angels coming up here. If uh, if they don't take, you know, I'm not not trying to be dramatic here, but they need to win two or three versus the Astros here at home. Or else it's probably time for that front office to have some conversations about who's getting traded and, you know, because this is, you know, I was talking about it with Scott Scott last night on, on the radio. Um, just what do you what do you do if you're the Angels at this point? You can't win with Trout and Otani. Do you consider trading one of them? You know, Mike Trout's basically untradeable. So, you know, do you, do you even discuss trading Otani in a week if, if they're not making any progress? Because, you know, this is just wasting time, prime career time. Yeah. Would that be a situation where you let the GM, I, I got to look and see how long the GM has been there. Does the owner, Marino, does he step in and say, you know what, uh, instead of tr getting rid of Otani here, which I think you do have to consider, do I just get rid of my GM and just sort of sort of start from scratch here in the front office? Is that the direction you go? or No, uh, can't. I mean, so? they're, they're, the, the, the front office isn't the problem. You know, they're, it's kind of like the Orioles a couple of years ago. It takes time to rebuild an organization, and that starts at the, you know, bottom levels of the minor league. It doesn't just, you know, translate into signing free agents and being good overnight. <clears throat> um, it's just not working out, you know. The the signings they make, Anthony Rendon hasn't produced. You know, that's hundreds of millions of dollars down the drain. There, it's just. Uh, you know, at a certain point, he was point, so good when they signed him too. He was so good when they signed him. Yeah, I mean, it just sometimes you do the right things and it doesn't work out. But yeah. nobody wants to be the front, you know, the front office general manager, the owner that everyone knows. You know, you're always going to be known as the guy who traded Mike Trout, the guy who traded Shohei Otani. Nobody wants to be that guy. But you know, at a certain point, if if they can't, you know, get get any positive traction, you know, something's got to give, and it's going to give sooner than later. Uh, speaking of the Angels, the MVP race, uh, I'm, let me ask it this way. If you were in charge of making the line for the AL MVP, what would Judge be? What would Otani be? If I was in charge of making the line, um, well, I mean, at the moment, I think the Westgate reposted odds today. They have Judge at even money. They have Otani at plus 110 and Jordan Alvarez at 8-1. to one. Um, I'd probably have Otani at even money and Judge at plus one ten, plus one twenty, because I want to write more bets on him. Um, the the thing with Jordan, and I very much think that a couple days ago Jordan was was very much, you know, in the conversation to flip Judge, and and push Judge's odds higher, but his handmade injury going on the injured list through the All Star break. They're saying it's a one, two-week rest sort of injury, but I'm not so sure that this isn't uh, you know, something that requires a surgical repair. And if it does require surgery, then uh, you know, we're, we're talking putting him on the, the DL for six, eight weeks so he comes back healthy for the playoffs. Remember, the, the Astros can afford that with their lead over the rest of the division sitting Sitting Jordan out for a month or two months the rest of the season so he's healthy by the playoffs is very cool. Yeah, and pro football, Doc, I don't know if you follow him. Uh, he's on Twitter, and he uses his expertise 
to help people with fantasy, help people with betting. He tracks, you know, his diagnosis, his prognosis. And he said, look, this is not a, a light injury. This is a six to eight week injury. Like you said, this yeah. is a surgery injury. So, uh, and he's usually pretty right. So he said, this is not like, Hey, this is no big deal. This is significant. And like you said, um, they have the cushion so they can afford to rest them. I do think that probably takes Alvarez out of the race. That was going to be my next question. Is this now a two horse race here with judge and with Otani? Well, yes and no, because it's not really a race between judge and Otani. Um, I mean, that's my opinion. And I know there's a lot of people I've been calling them people with brain worms and cognitive dissonance. <laughs> um, who, who think the judge is the MVP. And I mean, just look at his last 30 day numbers. He's, he's batting two thirty, the last, the last 30 days, the OBP, the slugging's fine. He's striking out a ton. Um, it's kind of like, you know, he hit that grand slam. The, the Yankees were already up 5 nothing against the Tigers. He hits a grand slam. Same day, Shohei Otani pitches, you know, another amazing start. Next day, Jordan Alvarez has a walk-off home run. Which one do you think gets the most, you know, the most social media play? Well, actually, Otani gets the most because he's Otani. Um, but Judge Judge's stats are, I don't want to call them empty because that's that's being rude and unreasonable. But, like, Hitting a grand slam when your team's up five nothing against the Tigers isn't the same as pitching seven innings and you know having two RBIs and your own start when you're the only guy producing on a on a crappy team. Um, it's it's just no there's no comparison to me that Otani's not the MVP and it's going to be a big test this week. They're playing the Astros like I said. He faces the Astros lineup, so huge test for Otani and the narrative going into the All Star break, but. I would definitely be booking Judge and writing as much volume as I could on Judge here. I don't think this is a, a competitive race as much as the the media wants to hype it up. Do you think voters agree with you? Because who knows if this is, uh, you know, in line with what everybody thinks. But I don't know if you saw this. Joel Sherman of the New York Post gave his sort of midseason awards, and he had Judge MVP, and he did not have Otani in his top five for MVP. So he said... Uh, to paraphrase here, he said, Otani's been, I think, the most spectacular player, but I, I put emphasis on the word value, and his team is too, too bad. Do you think that's a bad sign here for Otani betters? Do you think that's relevant? Um, I think Joel Sherman has brain worms. Um, I mean, I understand New York Post. You're going to obviously write, you know, pro-Yankee stuff. But to, to say that again, what you said... Yeah, so was it, was a, a mid, it was a mid-season award, and again, I'm paraphrasing, but he had Judge as his MVP. He did not have Otani. Yeah, no, no, the, what was the quote? Um, something along the lines of, Otani's been the most spectacular player, but I put emphasis on the word valuable in the MVP debate, and when your team is so bad, you know, et cetera. Again, I'm paraphrasing, but the idea that his team is not winning uh, was important in how he viewed this. Now, again, I don't even his know if he's team, a voter. His I don't team believe he being was. bad... In, in, in context, Otani's, you know, they've won his last four or five starts. He hasn't given up a run. The only time they win is when he pitches. Yeah. You know, he, he, he creates runs at the plate in the games when he's pitching. It, it sucks that his team around him is not, not performing, and the Angels are just such a train wreck. They're probably going to have to, you know, eventually trade Otani or Trout. You know, it sucks that's where it's trending. But you have to seriously have a, a case of brainworms to think that, Otani's team 
you know, you know, he's holding the team back or that he's that his team being bad is, you know, a, a, a negative towards his MVP campaign. Literally, I've said this so many times now, the only other things he could do at this point to help the Angels is fly the plane, drive the bus to the stadium, you know, cook the, the post-game meal or whatever, because he's doing everything else. I mean, he has as many strikeouts as Sandy Alcantara. He's on pace for 30 home runs, and we're debating who's the most valuable player in baseball. And I've brought a concept before, the pinstripe premium. And I think it's it's a very true thing if you look at the markets because Pete Alonzo is totally overvalued. No offense, I love Pete Alonzo. But when you stack up his numbers versus like an Austin Riley, yesterday, Pete Alonzo, you can get him 5-1 to one for MVP. You can get Austin Riley, who has better numbers in literally every category than Pete Alonzo. He was available at 70-1. to one. So, I mean, these markets, a lot of the times they just get massively dislocated in season and like i said we're at the halfway point this is this is the cut if we're if we're talking golf you know giving a golf analogy we're we're at the cut on friday there's so much left to to be played i should mention for the listeners too for for anyone who doesn't know uh this time last year jason was going on and on and on about how tatis should not be the mvp if people remember tatis was minus money uh a huge favorite to win mvp most of the season, all the way up until, I guess, until he wasn't. And uh, would you make that comparison with Tatis being sort of mispriced with any of these other guys being mispriced? Similar. Um, yeah. Especially because one of the things I like to do is I break down, you know, the, the in-season numbers. And, you know, I'll look at rolling 30-day numbers or month-by-month numbers just because when you're looking at awards, Awards are for what what is and what what has actually happened, as opposed to you know when we talk about fan graphs and exit velocities and all this stuff. We're talking we're talking theoreticals. You know, um, the, the, these these stats say that this this is the order it should be in, but this isn't about you know what should be. This is about who's actually producing and who's actually you know contributing and putting up you know extraordinary numbers. So. Um, I, I don't know. Like you said, it's, there's so much time left. I'm, I'm just, I think, I think, I think Tatis was an interesting case, but, but I think, I think the similarity here is the home runs is that people see the guy who hits the most home runs and immediately think, well, the MVP is the guy who hits the most home runs, which sometimes is true, but not always. And that's sort of what I think about judge. One last MVP thing, and then we can move on a couple other things before we get you out of here. Do you worry at all that the Angels fall so far out of it that they shut Otani down? No, because I think Otani and the Angels both recognize that what he's doing, you know, not that he's chasing stats, but, you know, Otani spent the entire offseason training at driveline with his catcher, Max Stassi. You know, like, he, he had his own catcher working out with him all offseason. That doesn't sound to me like the kind of guy who shuts it down early. Potentially he gets injured and that factors in, but I think Otani's a serious, serious competitor. And it wouldn't surprise me to see him, you know, continue to pitch even if the Angels are very far out of it. And again, I've I'm I brought this up on Scott Show last night. It wouldn't surprise me. I already saw the rumblings. The first article dropped in the LA Times yesterday or two days ago. Wouldn't surprise me to see Otani, you know, at least get floated in some trade rumors over the next couple of weeks if the Angels continue falling farther out. I don't know what it would take to get him, but, 
you know, at some point you have to consider it. Kevin Durant's unhappy. Durant's a great player. You could trade Durant for Otani and uh, and go from there. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, speaking of trades, you see, it's interesting because there's like, I think Bob Raceman had the tweet, and I was talking about this on my Open yesterday. Pretty much everybody, two-thirds of the league is within like three games of a playoff spot. There's not that many teams out of it. Even the Baltimore's, Texas, you know, the Marlins, there's not that many teams out of it. Do you think that hurts the deadline here? I... I don't think it necessarily hurts the deadline because there's always going to be sellers and there's always going to be guys available. But I I think that in years past, when there's been a Manny Machado or a Max Scherzer that you knew was potentially on the move, who are the high who are the stars of the trade deadline that you're excited about? I, I know Luis Castillo is probably available, but beyond that, maybe like Pablo Lopez in Miami can you think of any you know particularly excited names that compare to a Scherzer or a Machado at this trade deadline no it's all the it, it, you're right it's Castillo who I think I think he makes perfect sense for the Dodgers somebody like Montas uh you know CJ Crone again it's b-level c-level guys it can help a team but it's not that one where it's you know you're gonna stop what you're doing and say wow this guy got traded I think you're right. There's not that guy on the market this year. You know, Nelson Cruz could help some of these teams, but nobody that's, you know, uh, a headline grabbing. There's nothing earth shattering that's going to happen. Unless Otani gets traded. That would be one. That would be one. What would you put the odds on him being traded? I don't know. 5% right yeah. now. But ask me again after the Astros series. It's, it's very possible they lose all three games versus the Astros and. You know, like at a certain point, like you have to have, like if you're the front office, you have to have that conversation, especially, you know, because you know Otani's not going to resign in Anaheim. Like he's just not. Nobody, nobody wants to spend the rest of their career there playing for a perennial loser. It's just at this point, you know, Otani only has a certain amount of years left and he's got to go to a good team. Do you think teams are, are calling about Otani? I mean, I don't, I don't know if they're calling, but they're probably texting. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like, and that's the thing is, is it's such a such a unique situation that you can't even really comprehend. Like, well, what's it going to cost? You know, if I'm the Angels, I want, I want like ten prospects. I want, I want everything I can get. So, I mean, to get to even the parameters of a deal to consider it, I think it's so far off. I think five percent is probably even high. Yeah, that's why I've been praising. Uh, I've been uh, adamant that the Nets aren't going to trade Durant. That people should be betting the Nets. The Nets were available at fifty to one, forty to one, thirty-five to one. I was like, I don't know how you make a deal for Durant because I don't know how much you follow basketball. I know it's not your like your bread and butter, but Rudy Gobert got uh, traded for essentially like five first-round picks, a couple players. Like if if Gobert's worth that, how is Durant a trade? Like how is a Durant trade reasonable? I think the the same sort of thinking there with Otani, which where it's like you know I I don't know how you put a package together that. Uh, warrants, you know, his ability. It's it's not. I mean, there's no package that could be put together that would ever be fair for for players that you know are that elite in any sport. But what happens is, I mean, eventually you get a situation where Duran or whoever, you know, if a guy doesn't want to be there, he doesn't want to be there, you know, and then you're kind of forced to make a move and you have to take what you can get because you just can't, you know. But there there's too many personality problems and Otani's not the kind of guy who's going to create problems you know for the Angels it's just it's a matter of fact like you're wasting these guys careers and 
you know, if you're if you're not going to trade Mike Trout, you got to trade Otani. If you're not going to trade Otani, you got to trade Mike Trout. So, you know, that's how you, you got to do something to rebuild. There's, you know, otherwise you're five years away from being competitive if if, if you're doing it the Baltimore way, and that's five years from now. I mean, you know, Trout and Otani aren't aren't going to be the same. So, you're just wasting everybody's time. With all these teams on the fringe, remember this time, I think right around this time last year, Okunya got hurt. Okunya got hurt for Atlanta. Atlanta was way out of it. Uh, with all these teams sort of on the fringe, is there anyone you would take a stab at to win it all? I was talking about the Marlins last week, 250 to 1 to win it all. Uh, the Mariners are 75 to 1. Is there anyone, and the Mariners are right there for a playoff spot. Is there anyone that comes to your eye in terms of just winning the whole thing? Yes. Um, well, not winning the whole thing because I always try to tell people you know there's a lot of different ways to to attack and approach a futures market and if you immediately go to the world series market think about all the things that have to happen you have to make the playoffs you have to win multiple rounds you have to make the world series you have to win the world series five team parley pretty much it's a lot of you know a lot of conditional probability to to even get to that level so like baltimore for example they've won eight straight they were 800 to one to win the pennant. They were 500 to one to win the pennant. 250 to one. I've seen. I've, I saw as high as eight 800 to one. I've seen as low as 100 to one. Maybe 800 to one is a good bet. Maybe 500 to one is a good bet. 100 to one is not necessarily a good bet. But you see 100 to one, you're like, oh, I'm getting you know 100 times my money. I gotta bet 100 bucks on it. But it's not gonna get there. You know, like think about all the things that have to happen for Baltimore to actually, you know, win the pennant this year. It's not, it's not realistic. Even, you know, even at 500 to one, you're probably throwing away money. But if you actually go through the markets and look at what's available, you can find 25 to one on, on Baltimore to make the playoffs. And who's not happy with a 25 to one shot on something like that? I mean, we're talking, you know, player futures at this point in the season, you're not getting 25 to one on a, a Cy Young favorite, you're not getting 25 to one on a MVP favorite, but you can still go out and get 25 to one on Baltimore to make the playoffs, basically to be one of the wildcard teams two games out. I think that's crazy. I think that's a great bet. I think it's a much better bet than, you know, betting a Orioles future. But as far as, you know, what, what world series futures I'm on, like Dodgers, you know, there's, there's really nothing. It's at the top. It's still top heavy league. Boy, it's like the Dodgers, they're struggling. Their pitching's not the same. You blink, you look up, and they're a nine-game lead in the loss column. They just, they're they're on a different level. And it's, it, I think it shows you the randomness of baseball because they've been the best team in the world for like, I don't know, six or seven years in a row now. And they've got one title format, and it was it was in the, the strike-shortened season or the uh, the pandemic-shortened season. So shows you the randomness of baseball. But the Dodgers have just completely pulled away in the NL West. Even when you do everything right in, in baseball, not just baseball, all sports, I mean, you can do everything right and still lose. You know, the, the, the better team doesn't always win, et cetera, et cetera. You know, like, it happens. But I do think Dodgers is still the the best team in baseball. Yeah, I would say I think the top five in baseball, because I was talking about this with the Mets and the Braves race, those are probably two of the three best teams in the, AL, in, in the National League. I would say the top five is pretty clearly Yankees, Mets, Astros, Dodgers, Braves, in whatever order you want to put it in. Wouldn't that be right? Yeah, you know, Dodgers, Dodgers and Yankees sort of suffer from similar problems in that 
you know, they're, they're playing so well. The Yankees have 61 wins or whatever. Dodgers have 58. They're in second, second most wins. But every time they lose a game, it's the end of the world, you know? Like, the, the reaction to, you know, minor losing streaks is, is this team done? Do they need to go out and trade something? No, it's just baseball. You know, like I said, there's a lot of time left. But these these teams are they're in very good positions, and you got to remember the difference between winning 110 games, 106 games, and 102 games. It's a statistical difference. It's not going to really matter at the end of the year. So, you know, a lot of these the things we panic over, we 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 over, you know, overreact to to these things during the regular season. All right, Jason. Well, this was fun. Last one before we get you out of here. Have you started to look at football? Have you made any football bets yet? You know, I think I made one future bet early in the in the off season. It was like the Vikings to win the the Super Bowl because they uh, they got the Rams' offensive coordinator and Kirk Cousins with some nice wide receivers is always a good you know a good starting point. But I, I couldn't tell you that I seriously think the the Vikings are going to win the Super Bowl. I was just kind of taking a shot there, and then beyond that, like. Nah, I, I didn't get the Bucks, you know, stuff when when that was all happening with Brady coming back. So mostly I'm just just kind of waiting. I don't I don't have any any strong angles to to think about right here. My money is all tied up in baseball futures at the moment. Will you jump in? Will you, will you pick somebody with MVP? Because I feel like football is one where it's like, all right, we know it's going to be a quarterback pretty much. Is that something where that you can use that to your advantage or? The market accounts for that, and and it kind of kills the value of it. Well, I think I think like last year I had Cooper Cup like five hundred to one, two hundred to one. Some, Great bet. Some stupid numbers. Great bet. Should have got there. You know, still a little bitter about that to be honest. But in general, I think with with an NFL futures market, especially the MVP stuff, year over year, like the 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 worst thing about future markets is that like. I'll, I'll give you an example. Jordan Alvarez, one rookie of the year, 200 to one. Next year, there's no more 200 to ones. You know, Lamar Jackson won the the MVP at a big number. Now we very rarely see, you know, big numbers on on quarterbacks on on legitimate contenders. So a lot of these these NFL markets, the value's been sucked out of them. Especially like offensive rookie of the year is a uh, practically unbettable market at this point in terms of finding value, but it's very quarterback heavy. As like you said, what numbers you get on the Vikings? Did you say 40? I think. Okay. 40, 50, something like that. Nothing, nothing special. I mean, Oh, you want to know? Actually, I'll tell you, I, I do have a bet. I like in the NFL. Let me, uh, let me pull Please. it up. I'll, I'll tell you what the odds are. It's, it's at Superbook. It's it's one of my favorite bets, actually. Taysom, Taysom Hill. Okay. MVP. Oh. 5,000 to 1. Oh, wow. 5, what, do they limit, what do they limit? Do they limit you on something like that or no? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't even know because I'm, I'm not logged in from here, but I'm guessing I'm guessing I couldn't win more than 50,000 bucks on it or something. Maybe 100. But, I mean, it's, it's not there gonna, that, yeah, it's probably <laughs> not going to win. But you know, the way I think is that you know he can do a lot of things. You know, he's it's kind of an Otani. 
Otani, yeah, Otani, exactly. The Otani of football. No, not not really. Interesting. 5,001, yeah, though. You know, I, I I don't mind having a portfolio of very long bets. Like, remember, I, I said Baltimore at the beginning of the year to win the division. If the if the Yankees just chilled out a little bit, Baltimore's not yeah. that far out of second place. No, it's incredible. Yeah, I had, uh, I don't know if you're familiar, Mike Westoff. He was the Jets special teams coach. He was the Saints special teams coach. And he got pulled out of retirement to coach the Saints special teams. And they were really bad. And, and one day after practice, you know, Taysom Hill wasn't even dressing for games. And Taysom Hill was coming out of the shower. And he said his muscles were, like, just ripping. He, he looked like a superhero. And Westoff said to some of the other coaches, the other guys, like, who the hell is this guy? And they explained to him, you know, he's a, a third-string quarterback. He doesn't dress. Westoff figured out a way to put him on special teams. They, it started to go from there where they gave him more roles. And, you know, he turned into Taysom Hill. So I thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I mean, all it takes is, you know, a, an early injury, an opportunity, a big game, and 5,000 to 1 becomes 50 to 1. And, you know, I don't know. Oh, you know, another one I like, Aaron Donald, 300 to 1 MVP. I think I bet that every year. Actually, I've been betting that every year, though. Interesting. When's the last? I think Peter, what, Peterson in 2012 was the last non quarterback to win it? Yeah, and every year I say this is the year. I mean, Eventually, it's got to happen, you know, and Aaron Donald is the best player in the NFL who's not a quarterback, probably. Am I, am I wrong about that? Um, yeah, I, I would think that that's probably accurate unless, look, I don't study the offensive linemen, but, yeah, it sounds, sounds about right to me. Yeah, I'm going to have to look. I don't know if 301 is the best number on the market, but, you know, a, a, big, a big number on Aaron Jones. Sorry, not Aaron Jones, Aaron Donald. Um, that'll always get my attention. All right, Jason, let everyone know the Wide World of Wine Garden podcast, when they can hear it, uh, let everyone know. Uh, just about every every day, every other day, probably come out with another one tomorrow. Uh, usually I don't do it when I'm on the CityCast with you just because I don't think people want a double dose of me. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's a great show when you listen to it. You know, I, I talk a lot about the, the future's odds and frequently the, the odds move significantly the next day, like, Austin Riley, he's uh, he's down to eighteen to one at the Superbook all of a sudden, from a uh, hundred down to forty, down to eighteen. So, if you listen, you pick up some good info. It's a great show. I listen every time one pops up on my feed. You still haven't figured out to get a guest on and make them do the work for you, because when you host solo, man, that you're, you're doing all the work. You got to figure out a way to just play point guard, let somebody else do the work. Yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, I don't really want to have any guests on. Um, there's no one I really want to talk to. Offense. <laughs> um, if I can figure it out, you know, it's 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 obviously something we'll we'll work on. But um, I don't know. I think I think the I, I like working with other people more. So I think a lot of the stuff is better live. But we'll we'll see what happens. Jason, appreciate you coming on. We'll do this again uh, in a few weeks or so. We'll we'll catch up down the road. Thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. All right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you to Jason Weingarten. We'll be back tomorrow. Talk Mets, Braves, talk more baseball, MVP, uh, a few other things. Thank you for listening. This is the New York City Cast presented by Bet River Sportsbook.